If you would, please get a Bible next to you or grab, grab the Bible you brought and open up to the Gospel of John, chapter 8. We're going to be finishing that chapter today, beginning in verse 48. And once you get there, if you would, please stand as we honor God's Word this morning and read it together. John chapter 8, verse, beginning in verse 48 through the end of the chapter. The Jews answered Jesus, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. You can have a seat. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your true word. Help us by your Holy Spirit today to humbly and teachably Receive and understand and behold our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Have you ever heard the expression, don't poke the bear? It's a pretty vivid picture, isn't it? Just in those little words. And think about it. When a bear is calm, resting probably in wintertime, what's the most foolish thing you can do? Take a stick, go walk up to that bear, Poke it. It wakes up, sees you're in its cave in immediate proximity, and that you are a threat. <laughs> and then it goes bad. Right? Well, let's ask that question of the text today. Who's poking the bear in this text? Jesus has been interacting with Jews who claimed to believe him. And when Jesus said in the passage we studied last week, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When he said, the truth will set you free, they bristled at the idea, the very idea that they were somehow not free. And for the sake of our time in, this morning, the inter interaction continued and has reached a fever pitch. Who is poking the bear? Let me ask it another way. When God calls you and me to believe in his son, when he confronts us 
with the call not just to give him lip service. When he calls us to the truth that we are not free, when he in love points out how bad our state is, that we're not children of God, but children of God's enemy, the devil, as he said in the last passage, how are we going to respond? Are we going to be like a poked bear to Jesus and try to make him a bear to be poked? Or are we going to believe him as God and that his word is telling us the truth? The text before us today should be pretty clear. We should believe Jesus as God and keep his word. But that brings the question, why? Why should we believe God, and why should we believe Jesus as God and keep his word? What's here in this passage today that says we should? Isn't Jesus just one option among many? Many other supposedly valid options to believe? What makes him greater that we should believe him as God and keep his word? First, Jesus is greater than lies. Verse 48, Jesus said, or the Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? <laughs> Whoa, guys. And we, thought, and we thought Jesus was poking a bear. I was given a counsel by a pastor friend of mine that if you are having trouble in deciding who is right in a debate, between two, God, two supposedly God-fearing groups that believe they are both right and that they're both standing for holy reasons, you should look for the side that is bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are the Jews here bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit? No, they are in over their heads with the works of the flesh. They are lying. <laughs> but Jesus is greater than lies, so he cuts right through the name-calling, this literal demonizing. We should believe Jesus as God and keep his word because he doesn't take any issue with being called a Samaritan. He takes issue with, are we not right in saying that you have a demon? Why does he take issue with that? Because he is after the honor and glory of his father, not his own. And if they are saying that he has a demon, they are saying that the power by which he is operating is demonic. Which means that they are saying, whether they know it or not, that they believe that God the Father is a demon and that the Holy Spirit is a demon. This is a place for Jesus to plant a flag. And there is a place in the Christian life for planting a flag and responding to false accusations against God. So Jesus must respond. I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, and yet you dishonor me. They are shaming him, which is a huge deal in the first century, in that culture. But, he says, yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. And in verse 54, Jesus says, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. P. 
people who seek to make themselves great, make notoriety for themselves, are a dime a dozen. But But someone who seeks, as Jesus does, at every possible occasion to point out that he is there to honor his Father should be given serious consideration to be believed. This isn't a scheme for Jesus to pull the wool over people's eyes about who he is. He's doing exactly what 1 Peter 2 verse 23 says he did. 1 Peter says, When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. How can he do that? Because he's telling the truth. What does he say? I have to jump down to verse 55 for this. He says, But you have not known him, that is, God. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Look at Jesus' life. Look at his obedience, and measure it according to this book. See if there is any way that Jesus doesn't display knowing God and keeping his Father's word. If you can find one, then you can reject Jesus. But Jesus is truly able to make the boast that Jeremiah 9 verse 24 says, Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth for in these things I delight declares the Lord small wonder then that God the Father seeks to glorify Jesus verse verse 48 seems to epitomize our world and the majority of our interactions we hurl names and demonize anyone who doesn't agree to a T what we, our tribe, our political party, our religious affiliation believes. How are we to respond as followers of Jesus Christ? Do we seek to protect and self-defend? Or do we seek to honor the Lord Jesus Christ and honor our Father in Heaven by us entrusting ourselves to Him who judges justly? and speaking the truth in love, just as Jesus does here. Let's not result to demonizing, defending our own turf with lies, when the Lord of truth is more than capable of being our defender. Jesus is greater than lies. We should believe Jesus as God and keep his word not only because he is greater than lies, but because he is greater than one of our greatest enemies. One of our greatest fears. And he speaks the truth of it. Second, Jesus is greater than death. Verse 51, Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And then the Jews just fall all over themselves. They said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? 
This is so relevant for our day. We live in a culture and a world where the greatest perceived enemy to humanity is death. And we are a most paradoxical culture in that way. We are rightly considered a culture of death. But we are so afraid of dying. Are you afraid of dying? Yet we cannot with that fear, not a single one of us, even with advances in life, extending medicine and all this stuff, we cannot escape the reality that we are going to die. You will die. I will die. Your kids will one day die. Your parents will one day die. How do we overcome that? Overcome that fear? Is there hope? Well, Jesus isn't talking about physical death. He knows that Abraham and the prophets have died. (laughs) And he knew he himself was going to die as a man. But Jesus tells us this because he wants us to open our eyes to what we've been blinded to, a much greater problem. We have a spiritual problem. We face spiritual death. This is our state in sin, our state in rebellion against the God of life, who has life in himself, who created us for living with him forever. And our sin has cut us off from his life, and so, if we're cut off from life, what are we? We are dead. And the dead can't climb out of their own graves. Only the living can. So what hope is there? Isn't that why Jesus is here in this text? Isn't that why he came? Isn't that why he's persisting in talking to these insanely hostile people that they might have life, that you and I might have life? How do we live, Jesus? How do we escape death and the fear of death? Jesus says, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see How do we keep his word? This is the theme of this whole Gospel of John from chapter 20, verses 30 through 31. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Keeping, as Jesus says here, is believing that Jesus is greater. He's come to give us life so that we might have life in him as we were made for. Keeping here is the same as the abiding that we talked about last week. Trusting, obeying, living, and treasuring all that Jesus teaches of himself. And we will see that he is greater than death. So, kind of a Bible quiz question. What is one piece of evidence that we have plain as day, the kind of evidence that says that Jesus is greater than death, that has motivated thousands of men and women across centuries to lay down their lives for this God, the Lord Jesus. What is it? Yes, 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 through 4 sums it up. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried 
and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The God who is greater than death himself died to take away our sins and the God who is greater than death proved that he can keep his own word. If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death because Jesus, who kept his Father's word, has passed from death to life and he offers it to you and me. Yes, he is greater. That's the question. Do you believe that Jesus is, is God and do you believe that you should keep his word as he says you should? Because Jesus makes this a conditional statement. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. How do we meet that condition? How do we meet that condition? Well, in one sense, we can't. God has to act first. Well, guess what? He has. And you can trust him. And that's the key. You must trust him. And you and I cannot trust. You and I, these Jews, cannot trust him if we don't put down the rocks in our hands when he wants to give us his life. That brings us to thirdly, Jesus is greater than idols. Verse 53 are you greater than our father Abraham? They accused him. Have you noticed that Abraham keeps coming up in this passage a lot? Abraham, the great father of the nation of Israel, who began as a non-believing moon worshiper in Babylon, ancient Babylon of all places, who was called by God to trust him and promised by God that from his lineage all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Abraham, who trusted God to provide him a promised son, even when he and Sarah were well past childbearing age. The scripture records it as good as dead. <laughs> Abraham, who trusted God even when God told him to sacrifice his promised son, Isaac. Abraham, of whom it was well known, quote, believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And now, here in a heated exchange between the Son of God in the flesh and disbelieving Jews, Abraham, this Abraham comes up again. What have Jesus' opponents done with Abraham? We might paraphrase what they've said in this way. Are you greater than our idol? Do you see what they've done? They have taken a godly man who trusted in God, a guy whom Jesus said rejoiced to see Jesus' day and whose life pointed to the, the coming Messiah, and they have made him an idol. They have made him their reason not to believe Jesus as who he claimed to be, nor keep his word. That's what idols do. That's what idolatry does. It is the belief in anyone or anything, however good they might be, believing that that is greater than the God revealed in Scripture, revealed in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And it is keeping the real God at arm's length, even when the real God shows up in favor of someone or something less. Stones in our hands. But Aaron, this passage is from the first century. Today we don't have idols. (laughs) Some of you kind of snickered right there. Why is it then that we give so much press, so much attention, so much love or hate toward a fallen human being elected to an executive seat of our human government? Why do we respond with such vitriol and devouring words when someone on the internet says something we don't like? And even if we stay away from politics and the world wide web, do we emphasize the rule and reign of our Lord Jesus Christ over every area of our lives? That he has a say in everything that goes on here on planet Earth? Idols are often neutral or okay things that we make into God things. The Bible talks about a guy using half of a wooden log, a single wooden log. He cuts it in half, roasts his food with one half, and then sets up the other and thanks that piece of wood for helping him eat and providing his food. What's your idol? Yourself? In a few weeks, a lot of people around here are going to be tempted to worship something other than God. It's big, and it's red, and it's going to be televised, it's going to be celebrated, and it's going to be watched in a stadium. And people are going to be tempted to believe that what they've really been missing in life, what's really going to satisfy them, is college football instead of Christ. But it can't, and it's not supposed to. And the great irony is that it doesn't have to be. If you believe Jesus as God and keep his word. There is only one real God. There is only one Savior. There is only one name under heaven by which all people must be saved. Scripture says, and he's here. Verse 54, it is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Their idol, as idols often do, are saying, don't look to me, look to Jesus. So the Jews said to him, are you not, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? There is only one real God, and he will never lie. He is greater than death, and he is always greater than idols. God comes to rescue us right where we are. You and I, 
We bring nothing to the table of salvation except the sin that made it necessary, as Jonathan Edwards said. But if God left us in our sin, he might as well not have come. But he doesn't. Have you guys realized, as we have gone through this passage, the verbal beating that Jesus has endured in loving these guys? He could have walked away and cursed them long before this point. But the real God actually gives the kind of love we really need. The love that we were made for. And he takes away the wrath upon us from our sins by dying. And he takes away the stranglehold that our idols, our lies, have upon us by rising from the dead. And here, before those things happen in love, Jesus is going to smash them making Abraham an idol right in front of them. He is greater than idols. And we should settle for nothing less like he does, nothing less than himself. And so Jesus says, in verse 58, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. If you don't know the reference, Exodus chapter 3, a couple thousand years before, this moment in, in history, a fugitive shepherd who killed a guy in Egypt, Moses, sees a bush that has been set on fire but isn't burning up. And he goes to that bush and God speaks to him out of the fire. God says that he has heard the groaning of his people in slavery, which is a picture of spiritual death. And he sends Moses, kind of like he sent Jesus Christ, to rescue them from the land of slavery, Egypt. And so Moses asks God, after all that, he says in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And verse 14 is why Jesus says what he does here in the Gospel of John. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. And here in John chapter 8, I am who I am himself shows up as salvation, greater than lies, greater than death, greater than idols. Will you believe then him as God and keep his word? Or is his, is his word still so offensive that you pick up stones to put God to death as these people did? We should believe Jesus as God and keep his word. So back to the original question. Who poked the bear? Jesus certainly seems to have done so to them, though that's not his motivation for doing it. And they picked up stones. But didn't they also pick, didn't they also pick up a stick and really poke the bear? You better believe they did. And instead of coming roaring out of his cave, protecting his own turf, Christ spoke the truth. He promised life instead of death. And he showed who he already was. 
and is and is to come. No mere lifeless idol that can't save. No mere bear that shouldn't be disturbed, but the I am who created the heavens and the earth, who promised Abraham blessing, who rescued Israel from slavery and brought them into the promised land, who on his own initiative came as the word become flesh and dwelt among us that we should believe him as God and keep his word. And in doing so, be set free and guaranteed life in his name. 